You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. going on guys welcome to another episode of peer pleasure with dewey halpas on equal vision records and sound talent media i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week this week we have three episodes for you they're coming out all at once and this is the first one mr buzz osborne from the melvins back on for his part two appearance uh i was stoked to talk to buzz it's funny that a lot of people are very intimidated to talk to buzz because he's just very matter of fact um but I really appreciate that about him. He's very real. He tells you exactly how he feels. It may be exactly how he feels that moment or that day. It can always change, but that keeps things interesting. That's what makes it fun. So Buzz has been a good friend of the show for a very long time and, and just a, a favorite guest of mine. Um, the last time we did this, I was holding this digital recorder that I'm using now in my hands with no microphone out front of the Hawthorne Theater in Portland, Oregon, next to their van. And now we're recording it in an actual studio. Of course, it's during COVID time, so uh, no in-person stuff. But, uh, you know, we'll take it. Anyway, uh, let's get into this one because it's going to be literally three episodes today. So uh, they have got a new record called Five-Legged Dog, which is a acoustic reimagining of all their biggest songs and a bunch of covers. It's really fucking awesome i got it sent a long time ago we did these episodes a couple months ago just in preparation uh, but i think you guys are really going to dig if you like the melvins you're going to love this uh, even if you don't like the melvins you probably will like this record it's really 
really cool stripped down uh really awesome music so check out five-legged dog um stoked to have buzz back on um so let's get some business out of the way and we will jump in peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me uh sign up for the twitch uh the twitch we do a lot of these live uh twitch.tv slash peerpleasurepodcast also I want you to sign up for the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle, and that is on Facebook. If you want to just search it out, uh, we'll let you in. Yes, it's a private group, so you have to request it, but we'll let you in right away, uh, and you can jump right into the action. Also, the premium service, Peer Pleasure Pod, excuse me, Peer Pleasure Podcast dot supporting cast. Or excuse me, that's even wrong. All right, so Peer Pleasure dot supporting cast dot fm is the one you want to go to, and that'll get you access to the videos. It'll get you access to the past cast and the ad-free feed. So go do that now. All right. I've rambled enough. I am going to get into this one. Part two with Buzz Osborne, King Buzzo of the Melvins. Hey, Buzz, Hello? can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, perfect, buddy. Great, 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 great. Awesome. How are you doing? I'm all right. Excellent. Where are you at? I'm in Portland, Oregon. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. It's been, this is your second time on the show, actually. We did, we did this back in 2017. Um, you were on tour with Spotlights. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah out in front of the van or on the side of the van at the Hawthorne theater. And, uh, Matt Pike was peeling out in his El Camino and it was chaos. Oh, it was yeah. funny. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was funny. I also had yeah. no idea what I was doing back then. <laughs> holding a, that makes sense. <laughs> holding a shitty recorder and and expecting it to sound good with cars racing by and uh, yeah. Anyways, I appreciate your graciousness then, and I do now as well. <laughs> now you've moved up to the wonderful world of internet recordings. Exactly which I think is going to be the way it goes for a long time now. If things keep getting canceled like crazy. Uh, Great. Yeah. Fantastic. What a treat. But I did yeah. want to follow up on something from 2017. Uh, uh -oh. So I, I made the joke at the beginning, well, it's not even a joke, but just the comment uh, that I had read that you like to answer the question you wished you were asked. And you said you stole that from somebody, but it was my job to figure it out. Um, <laughs> yes. And I found robert mcnamara who was the secretary of defense in the 60s that said never answer the question that is asked of you answer the question that you wish you had been asked is that who you got it from that is that's exactly where i got it holy shit yeah. right on four years later how i yelled it <laughs> how did you figure it out uh well, it was simple i googled the the quote like the uh, just oh, yeah, of the yeah. quote and it came up and i was like hmm this looks familiar and uh, like, this looks like it could be what it was from. And I looked it up and I was like, well, this makes sense. And uh, yeah, seemed like he was pretty, uh, pretty uh, instrumental in, in uh, the Vietnam War and, and uh, some business tycoon helping the Ford Motor Company or something. But uh, yeah, it was, you said it was not a musician. So that helped. Most people don't even know who Robert McNamara is. So yeah, see, that was before my time. I'm, th I'm 39. So it's uh, before my time too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was alive, but I certainly wasn't paying attention to politics at that age. Sure, I I I could only imagine that. Yeah, but that's uh, I, I wasn't alive when he uh, was appointed because uh, um, he was appointed by Kennedy. Uh huh. I wasn't born till after Kennedy was assassinated. So okay, yeah. man. Uh, well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad we got that out of the way. That's uh, I I don't. Uh, I don't prep a lot for these interviews because I like to just be fresh. And that's one thing I was like, I'm going to, when Monica hit me up and I was like, I've got to figure this out now. Cause I remembered it. Uh, yeah. That we talked about well, that, but that was it. Well, that's the thing about, um, most people never hit on stuff like that. And I'm a far more complicated person than people would imagine. So that's the hard part. Sure. And the fact that all anyone wants to talk about is the old days. It got to be unbelievably frustrating uh, no, for someone in your position. Talk about whatever you want. I, I'll talk about anything you'd like. It's your job to make it interesting. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, dude, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about this straight away because I, I want to. I, I, you just did a podcast with my buddy Blake from the Tone Mob. Um, yes, it's not out yet. Yes, and I told him I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of Portland either. <laughs> 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 he. Uh, I don't remember how it came up, but Billy Gibbons came up, uh, yes. who's one of my favorite guitar players of all time. And yes. you were professing your love for Billy Gibbons, how he's one of your favorite guitar players of all time. And just how so much is in the hands, not necessarily in the gear. Like if you gave those yeah. guys anything, they could turn something into gold. Yeah. I think I said that if, if I would never do it, but if I had my druthers, I would play like a combination of, or start to, I'm paraphrasing now because I can't, I can't remember exactly what I said, but uh, I would play like a combination of Billy Gibbons and Joe Walsh. Yes. That's what I would do. Okay. And um, he thought that was surprising. 
Um, but I don't find it surprising. But having said that, I'm not trying to play like those guys. I said, if I had my druthers, that's what I would do. But I've never struggled to try to play like any other guitar player ever. Sure. No, I, I mean, definitely understand not, that. Not my thing. Uh, uh, my guitar playing is weirdly um, 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 complicated in its in its uh, magnitude of influences. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. It's like heavy metal, heavy metal throbbing gristle, which I don't see a lot of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Crossed with Captain Beefheart. Yes. Captain Beefheart playing really? metal. Yeah. I mean, we really are. We really are. No, there's really, I have no other, um, brother bands. Yeah. And we're, we're one of these bands that hasn't grown up and tried to sound like the fucking, uh, um, uh, 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 my bloody Valentine, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. No, <laughs> you haven't gone shoegaze yet. <laughs> no, you know, most of them do that. They grow out, whatever that means, grow out of or grow up and then start sounding like a shitty version of Radiohead, you know? Yeah. You no sense. And, and then people think it's take it more seriously for some reason. Not me, you know, not that you should always do the same thing, but um, um, we're fully capable of playing either totally commercial sounding music or stuff that sounds like, you know, more throbbing than throbbing gristle. So mm -hmm. I like that. We have no brother bands and I certainly have no brother guitar players. That's for sure. We have an intense fascination with everything across the board from the stones to the bad brains to, you know, just on and on throbbing gristle, Captain Beefheart, like a combination of bad brains, throbbing gristle, the stones and Captain Beefheart. There you go. There you go. Absolutely, That's a good combo. And Alice Cooper, who uh, all of them are on that new record. <laughs> no throbbing gristle. No throbbing gristle. Excuse me, but Alice Cooper and and the Stones and and uh, yeah, dude. No, no throb, no no Captain Beefheart either. Correct. Have you have you met Billy Gibbons? I have, dude. A long time ago. Okay, I got to watch him play with the when he did that project, the BFGs. Uh, came through a small is club. A, is, is that when he had a car on stage with him? Yeah, and like two two young girl drummers. Yeah, and like two organ players. Like it was crazy. And I got somehow my buddy owns the venue and or runs the venue rather, and he let me stand on the stage like eight feet from Billy Gibbons, and I got to actually watch him play, like watch his hands, and it's like nothing I've ever seen. Like it was just his style is all his own, and it was some when you mentioned that. On Blake's show, I was like, "Dude, Billy Gibbons, okay," because that's a, a prime example that that uh, it's in the hands. Like he could have been playing hands, anything. He doesn't play fast. No, he doesn't. Neither does Joe Walsh. He doesn't. They don't play fast, and neither does Eric Clapton, for that matter. I mean, they're not speed demon guitar players, and there's no reason to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate speed metal, heavy metal guitar players. It's fine. But, um, and I think it, it fits into that kind of music, but, um, you know, uh, um, on, on a tangent sort of, um, I play, I've also played with Dave Lombardo quite a bit mm -hmm. and, um, sometimes we would jam, you know, before practice started or whenever with Phantomos and, um, and he was like, you're way easier to play with than the guys in Slayer ever were because they, they would never play the kind of stuff that you're playing. You know, he goes, your stuff is all blues based and weirder and funner to jam. You have mm -hmm. more of a swing to what you're doing. And 
right. That's what, that's what heavy metal is mostly missing. And we wanted to incorporate that, you know, heavy metal, John Spencer blues explosion, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, sort of yeah. pussy galore mixed in, you know, but I um, mean, he's right. I mean, it's like, you know, I have a massive appreciation for stuff like that. And on our band, especially now me, Dale and Steven, it's like the stones are a big deal to us. People that think, Oh, it's dad rock, dad rock, man, whatever. So, so I shouldn't have listened to Hendrix when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I, I don't, I don't understand that kind of thing. And I've heard people say that, well, young kids, this young kids, that so, you know, I never liked young kids, even when I was a young kid, you have a fuck about that. None of that makes any sense to me. Um, I'm not an ageist when it comes to music. I don't identify with something just because all the people my age identify with. That's one of the most asinine statements I've ever heard. Are you fucking kidding me? What do you think I am? Some sheep. Is that what you think music fans are? Sheep that just blindly go along with whatever age group is listening to the same thing they are? That's fucking crazy. That's just, that's just a stupid statement made by people who aren't very um, imaginative. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for people to be surprised by Billy Gibbons, it's like, well, you know, maybe you should try listening to his stuff. You know, Trace Cabrones, to me, is one of the top 10 records ever made. They certainly never did a record better than that. Um, Trace Cabrones, if you don't like that record, then you just don't like rock music. You don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm not Trace Cabrones, Trace Ombres. Trace yeah, Cabrones Trace is Ombres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trace, we, Trace, we, we, we made a record called Trace Cabrones as a, as, a, as a takeoff on the Trace Ombres record. Nobody noticed. That was funny. <laughs> Trace Ombres, you know, three men. Ours, Trace Cabrones, three dumbasses. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I you were going be, somewhere there with that when you mentioned that because of that record. Yeah, and I was like, oh, wait, no, record. Trace Ombres. Just, it was just a, was, yeah, just a <laughs> Freudian slip. Um, but uh, uh, Trace Ombres, you know, I thought everyone, when we did the Trace Cabrones record, I thought everyone would get the joke. Nobody got it. Nobody ever mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. Trace Ombres. And then I realized maybe people don't even know that record. But we thought it was funny. Trace... Trace Ombres to me is a t- one of the top 10 records ever made. You know, I easy. think easy, uh, easy, but easy. you never hear people, you never hear people talk about that. I like a lot more than legs and all that kind of stuff. Thing with Billy Gibbons is he's, um, he's much weirder and eccentric than his million, million, multi-million, million fan base would, would, would ever, ever understand. He's a massively eccentric dude. I mean, he told me, he's like, you know, I never had a job in my life. All my dad was rich. All I do is play guitar. That's it. He doesn't come from a hick background living in, uh, you know, backwoods anywhere. He comes from fucking rich Houston, Texas. Yeah. And he was not hiding that, you know, and he'd tell these great stories. Like I was trying, I'm going to try to find a human skull. And so I, I knew this guy from Canada and just go on and on these long stories like that. So it's just, it's just, he's just far weirder than, than people would imagine. Oh I don't know God. where the truth and, 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 and the BS began and end, but he's an eccentric cat. There's no doubt about it. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but um, for a while I kept in contact with him and, uh, um, but I don't know, honestly, I don't know. Now, now I know the bass player recently died, which is yeah tragic, but yeah. um the documentary, I think there's a documentary on Netflix or something that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That little band from Texas, I think it's called, or something like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, 
Trace Ombre's record is is a great record, and um, I saw him on the Deguayo tour, mm-hmm. and um, that was probably the loudest concert I've ever been to. Even as a teenager, I had to stuff. I was stuffing napkins into my ears. It was so fucking loud. Jesus. That was great because they played uh, Manic Mechanic, a bunch of stuff off that record. It was, it was really cool. Dude, how amazing is that to get to just keep in touch with one of your favorite guitar players? That was I mean, cool. you know, you mean, you know, people and, and have known people in the past that are idols to everyone else. But to have, yeah. have be, be able to be buddies and keep in touch with someone you truly feel is one of your favorite players is is huge, you know, especially yeah, I that. Still in touch with him. No, but I lost track of him a long time ago. Yeah, I was. I was supposed to have him on the show, and then Dusty passed away. Like it was happening, and then Dusty passed, and everything got shut down. And I felt so bad. Uh, yeah. You know, playing with someone for fifty years, like. And then just immediately yeah. turning around and going back on the road with a guitar tech. Like, I don't know how they're doing it, but maybe it's, maybe it's know. that eccentricity. They have a the, the thing about them is, uh, I don't know how familiar you are. You, you are with, uh, something like Peter green or any of that stuff. That's, um, that's the dude with the, the crazy Les Paul, right? Yeah. Yeah. Les Paul. Um, but he was in the first incarnation of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Okay who had big hits. Like he wrote black magic woman mm-hmm. made famous by Santana. He wrote, Oh, well, he wrote green man, Alishi made famous by, um, made famous or by uh, Judas priest. I mean, and, uh, he, he, he's unbelievable. He's along the same lines, except his stuff is bad news, blues music. And ZZ tops is more good news. Blues, blues music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of the difference. Um, to me, but, um, Peter Green's another one where, uh, I happened to, I saw him play before he died and, uh, it was one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen by far. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, you don't, if you're not familiar with his stuff, I would say, uh, he is a, uh, uh, uh someone to, to take very seriously. He's a great singer and a great guitar player was, mm-hmm. and, uh, the guitar player from Metallica, I got, I mean, I got into Peter Green through Z- Judas Priest's cover of Green Malishi, realizing that that was written by somebody else, okay. not by them. I love that song so much. And mm-hmm. then I talked to Kurt from uh, Metallica, mm-hmm. who owns Peter Green's original guitar that he played all that stuff with, that I think he paid more than a million dollars for, I believe. Yes, um, but that's Les Paul he, I'm talking about, the Greenie, they yeah. call it or something. Yeah, he calls it the greenie. Yeah, yeah. okay. But, uh, I think he bought it from, I think uh, Kurt bought it from Gary Moore, I believe, hmm. or the Gary Moore estate. Yeah. I'm not sure what. But I asked him, I go, did you get into Peter Green from Judas Priest, same as me? And he's like, yeah, that's what I did. And, and once you find out and realize what that guy's doing, um, there's no going back. None. I mean, he's one of the most heartfelt and evil sounding people I've ever heard. Black magic woman and green man, Alicia in and of itself, you know, yeah. you're the green Alicia with a two prong crown. Well, he's Peter green. It's his devil. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. They say it's money, but to me, it's like, you know, it's about him. It's yeah. about his demon, the green man, Alicia, you know, <laughs> it's like his man, Alicia, you know, you know, and, uh, um, I get chills just thinking about it. 
I will never tire of that music. Um, Rattlesnake Shake, Oh Well, Black Magic Woman, and Green Man Alicia to me are some of the best four songs ever written to me. Mm -hmm. If you want to think about that kind of stuff, just those kinds of that kind of guitar playing. But having said that, that's not the kind of guitar playing I've ever struggled to try to be like, cause I never thought I could do it. And so if I wasn't going to play it, I wasn't going to practice it. I can, mm -hmm. you know, screw my way around a solo like that if I want to, but I don't want to sound like that. I was never a fan of um, Stevie Ray Vaughan or any of that stuff. I never, I always thought it was that that was fake. It wasn't real. You can listen to like a, I played a live version of Voodoo Child by Stevie Ray Vaughan to my wife. And I played a, a live version of Voodoo Child with, by Hendrix. And I go, what's the difference between these two without saying which was which? And she goes, well, one of them has soul. So it's like, <laughs> right, that, that's it. You know? Yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan's playing all the right notes, but he doesn't have the sickness that those other guys have. Yeah. And you can't, Teach that you can't learn it from a book. You can't, it's not possible. So that's the difference. People worship guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. He's he, he plays all the right notes. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But do I get the same kind of feeling from his playing or his music that I get from those other guys from Hendrix, Peter Green, Joe Walsh, or fucking, uh, um, Billy Gibbons? No way. Anybody that doesn't take Joe Walsh seriously needs to go back and listen to the James gang. You know, you guys, you really need to listen to that. Just listen to the bomber. You don't, that guitar playing on that is, is, is amazing. And so anybody that thinks that Stevie Ray Vaughan's better than those guys, I, I don't know what they're talking about. I just don't, I don't hear it. Yeah. I think they're speaking a different language. I think they need to re-examine exactly what the job of a guitar player is. What's he supposed to do? And like you listen to black magic woman and you listen to the, the original version, you listen to Santana's version. Santana doesn't even come close. And he based his entire career on that song, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> pretty, most people think he wrote it. He didn't write it. His most famous song was written by an Englishman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. crazy at that. <clears throat> That's insane. I, I see. I, I always picture like Stevie Ray Vaughan, like players like that or like when a guitar, when you go in for a guitar lesson, which I've never done, but when you see a guitar teacher, like show me how to play Purple Haze. So you watch a guitar teacher play it all the right notes, but it has, sounds nothing like it because it's not him. Like it doesn't it's have him. that. It's it's not that energy. Of course, he's learning to play in different like weird ways playing upside down or, or whatever like there's there's things that made him play the way he does technically but it's that spirit that feeling like it, it, yeah it's 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 the indian not the arrow yes. as they say yes you know 100 I, I believe that um you could get you could Andrews played left-handed guitars the right-handed guitar strung left-handed he didn't he played right side up but um they were just the wrong direction probably because it's hard to find a left-handed guitar, especially mm -hmm. if you don't have any money. Yeah. It's easier to find right-handed guitars. And I bought a left-handed Strat and reversed it, like a, made it right-handed so that I could feel what he was, how he was doing it when he was doing And what it does with a Strat is it puts all the control knobs on the top mm -hmm. and it puts the whammy bar on the top. It also changes the angle of the pickup to where, um, 
uh, on a strat, the, the, the bridge position pickup is angled. So the high notes are even higher. And this is reverses it to where the low notes are the higher now, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it changes the entire way you have to play the guitar. And that's part of his whole deal. Yeah. Those constraints. Kind of Brent, he played, he played, you did, you would see pictures of him playing an SG or a, or a uh, flying V, I think even a Les Paul, but mostly it was um, upside down, um, uh, right-handed uh, strats. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you see how that works, it's like, that's part of his whole deal. You know, and I, I love it. I think it's really fun. It's fun to play at home. Hard. It's hard to play. It's you have to adjust your whole way of playing, but you know, you give him, you would have given him the cheapest guitar through the crappiest amp. He's still going to blow you out of the water. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's not gear. He's going to be great no matter what you give him. And that's kind of the way I feel like the guys that I play with Dale and Steven, no matter what we did, no matter no matter what we would do, if we put those guys with any kind of crappy gear, any kind of, they'd still be great to me. I'm playing with the best rhythm section in the world. To me, I feel like the luckiest musician of, in the, in, in, in history playing with those guys. Although, you know, it's akin to like Pete Townsend playing with John Entwistle and Keith Moon. I mm -hmm. mean, it's a songwriter's dream. Yeah. If you're it's writing great. songs for those guys to play, like you're just I'm in heaven. There. I'm 90% there. <laughs> yeah. They're going to make it better. They're not going to make it worse. They're always going to make it better, which is what songwriters and you know people that imagine they know everything miss. You let the musicians do their job and you're going to be better off. Absolutely. Dude, you've got a, one of the most amazing rhythm sections, and I'm talking to Dale and Steven both next week. Uh, yeah. We're going to do them all together. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I'm stoked because I had Dale on before. After after you and I did the 2017 and 2018, I had Dale on, and it was a fantastic conversation. He's such a good person, and uh, but I've not had Steven, so I'm stoked because he's he's one of my favorite bass players. Like, amazing. Um, Steven's, best, Steven's the best bass player I've ever played with. See, that's, and I played with guys that I think are absolutely unbelievable players like Jared and Pincus and mm -hmm. Kevin. And, you know, Steven's the best. He's the best bass player. I, 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 and Dale is phenomenal. I don't, it's like, I don't understand why it is big bands don't have those guys playing with them. That just, they're just stupid. Yeah. You know, I agree. I, I don't get it. <laughs> I agree. Jesus Christ. It's dumb. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody like somebody akin to Stevie Ray Vaughan should have those two guys as a rhythm section. It'd be better by 90%. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's a, the world's not a right place. That's just how it goes. That's absolutely right. It's, it really isn't. <laughs> no, it's not a right place. We're finding um, out every day. Uh, you know, things get weird, but I've always assumed something was going to happen. So I didn't know exactly what. I don't have a lot of faith in, uh, you know, the world taking care of me. Not much. I mean, I think if you, if you're worrying about that and thinking that's, what's going to happen, you're going to be sitting there with nothing. Yeah. That can be dangerous for sure. And I haven't had an easy go of it. It's been, um, you know, a lot of roadblocks in our way, as far as that kind of stuff's concerned and certainly not smooth sailing as far as, you know, but, uh, one thing we've always done is we never stop moving our feet. Mm -hmm. So I have watched them come and go. 
for years. If you, if you're, my philosophy is I will outlast you. This is a war of attrition. Hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trends will come and go. Musicians will come and go. Magazines, reviewers, um, booking agents or, or, or managers and all these people out in the world will come and go. And uh, people that think they have us figured out will buckle your seatbelt. You have no fucking idea. Well, you've been doing this a lot. I mean, have you ever thought about and this? Is just devil's advocate here, but have you ever thought about doing something else other than music? Has it ever crossed your mind since you've been doing music for a living? Has it ever crossed your mind that maybe I want to do this instead? Or has it been balls to the wall the whole time? Like it seems like to me, it's been, you know, record, 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 you know? Well, um, I've been making a living playing music one way or another mm-hmm. without anybody underwriting what I'm doing since 1988. Yeah, exactly. I haven't had, I haven't had a, a job since then, like a, a regular job. So if I have to get a job, I, I've you know, survived for well over 30 years by not having one. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel pretty secure in that. That's pretty solid. I don't have any much to prove along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a different view of how all that stuff works than almost anybody else out there. Um, I don't expect people to do anything for me. Uh, I always think that uh, I'm surprised when, when um, more of that kind of stuff doesn't happen, but uh, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just keep moving forward. You know, I, I don't care. I mean, things like we did things like festival tours, like Lollapalooza and, and um, Ozfest with tool. And, and I wasn't really, excited by any of that stuff. Oh, I didn't feel like we were part of something that was exceptionally cool to seem old and kind of silly. Mm-hmm. It's not my world. I don't get it. I don't like those kinds of assholes. I just don't dig it. I was like a Lollapalooza never had any interest in us until they wanted Metallica to headline it. And Perry Farrell would have nothing to do with Metallica and all it's, macho energy metal energy mm-hmm. which i thought was pretty weird but whatever so the second he's no longer in charge for that year steps down they immediately ask us to do it so it's like okay there's the problem <laughs> <laughs> got it you know and then we were never asked to do Ozfest until tool wanted us to do it in 98 because they said they wouldn't do it until there was at least one band on the bill that they liked. Wow. <laughs> and so Ozfest said no. And they said, then we won't do it. And so they had to take us. So they did not want us to do anything like that. They had no interest. And so, you know, I mean, people can say what they will uh, about why I'm upset by that kind of stuff, but guess why? You know, that's just not hard. That's not hard to figure. I don't have any respect for that organization, either one of them. Sure. With Perry Farrell or any of that crap. And, and that, that continues to this day. Why would I? Sharon Osborne. Oh, you guys don't want me? Good. Well, if that if you're if you're setting out to make enemies, mission accomplished. You know, not that it makes much difference if I'm an enemy of those people, but I don't need to have a lot of signs in my way you know it's showing me which way the wind blows mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like i got it i got it i got it figured out and so with all those kind of, those are just two examples and, you, and i just you, i just keep moving forward 
you know, I'll yeah. keep moving forward. And I don't care what any of the, those people do or anything they do. I've put out massive amounts of work since then. And, and it will continue. I mean, the new thing that we're doing is four album acoustic record. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead, Perry, <laughs> knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not doing jack shit. As far as I can tell, you know, <laughs> whatever. I I, 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 I don't get it, but, um, but whatever, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jane's addictions. Okay. But as far as I could tell, they sounded like they based their entire band on one song from uh, um, Bow Wow Wow, yeah. Yeah. which is like, I want candy. If you listen to I want candy. That's pretty much the song structure of every single um, Jane's Addiction song. song out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, and that's a cover. And, and, and the Bow Wow Wow, that's a cover that they did. Yeah. So whatever. I was never fooled yeah. by it. <laughs> it's okay you know it doesn't bother me i mean good for them they, they did well with all that stuff yeah it doesn't bother me but um you know if you don't take me seriously i'm certainly not gonna take you seriously so be it i i love all the background to this like the the you guys have done so many massive sh- like you guys what did was it nine inch nails you guys just like put the guitars down and let them ring out for half hour or something like that like uh, did, was that nine inch that. nails we did, we've done that a few times You've done that a few uh, times <laughs> that's the best more than once more than I mean, once yeah more than i don't know i love well, that probably half a, out of two thousand plus shows yeah probably half a dozen times half a dozen <laughs> if not more oh I mean, I, I don't uh what, what i think is really funny is that people go they got booed off stage it's like no we got booed until we left stage what's going on guys this is dewey i want to tell you about some new releases coming up from equal vision records as you guys know equal vision records is my family and so are these bands i really want you to check these out we've got hot water music with their 10th studio album vows out may 10th featuring guest appearances by dallas green of city and color thrice the interrupters and brendan and daniel from turnstile see them on the 30th anniversary tour with quicksand in the states in may and june and europe in november hotwatermusic.com for more info we also have be well with their new seven inch a tap i can't turn off out now First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. EqualVision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at EqualVision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and B-Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms, 
They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. 
Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So, so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. But we didn't leave stage because you were booing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, they're booing. Let's go. Uh, we're out of here. Oh, I left when I was good and ready to leave. I didn't know oh, they're booing. We should we should get out of here. I often don't understand with opening bands uh, in an opening band situation where it's like, you know, the headlining band has handpicked this band and they want them to play and and their audience just doesn't get it. It's like, okay, well, you'd think that you know, that they would and they react, and sometimes they react violently, which I always thought was kind of funny. It's like, we have made a sound that is so, so disturbing to them that they have to react violently, which is, I think it's almost like a, a major accomplishment. Oh, wow. Well, it wasn't my intention, but that's how it worked out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it doesn't take too much of that kind of stuff where you realize, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm making a living doing this, but on a massive scale, um, it's not going to be millions of people that like me. And I'm okay with that. That's all right. I think they should. I think millions of people should buy our records, but they just don't. Not my fault. You know, I'm not trying to uh, do something that is going to make them, oh, what will they like? I don't know. I'm also not perversely making music that they won't like. I think they should like it. I make music that I would like as a fan mm -hmm. and operate our band in a way that I would appreciate as a fan. Always. See, that's one thing that's really interesting because you, you have that for one, just, just to, to, to finish off the, the, the last thing I was, that I was bringing up with the guitar playing is, I see you in the same way as uh, you see like a Hendrix and stuff like that is I know when it's, when it's you play, even the gear changes, guitars change, whatever it's your playing style. It's your, it's the way you use your hands and the, the rhythms you're using, the, the strumming patterns you're using. I can usually tell when it's a Melvin song, right? Like, or it's, it's, it's you. And I, that's what I was getting at earlier was, was I see you that same way where I don't think you can have another person come in and do that and have it sound like you do. And I think that's really cool. And it's something that rarely happens nowadays in my mind. But, you know, I wanted to put that out there because I didn't tell you that last time, but I wanted to tell you that this time. Um, oh, that's very nice. Thank because you. it's it's true, true. And it's it's something that's awesome. And I, I really uh, I really appreciate all that you've done. And, um, oh, thanks. You know, but going going forward with what you're talking about here, I I 
you're in a position where you can do like small batch stuff and you can do like limited edition things and really put, you know, I was, I was listening to, um, I think Mackie did an episode. There's a podcast called the vinyl guide. And I think she went through a lot of the process she uses for, uh, for making artwork for the records and like printing the, the presses you guys are using and like how you guys are doing that with like the super limited stuff you can do. And that's such a cool position to be in because it creates collectibles. But if you were selling tens of millions of records, there'd be so much red tape to go through to do something like that. You just, you've retained this control, which is amazing over your stuff, over what you want to do. So you have these ideas, you can do it, right? Like it's, that's the dream. It seems like besides the, you know, 17 cars and mansions, like fuck that. Like you have control of your art and you can do what you want to do. That's huge. Yeah, I think every band could do that, but the problem is it would be too much work for them. You have to understand how incredibly lazy most musicians really are, mm-hmm. and record labels. They don't want to. They don't want to do the, go to the extra trouble of having having to do all that stuff. They're not dedicated to art the way we are, mm-hmm. not in the least. If you look at like my wife and Tom Hazemeyer in particular, they do stuff that that. Um, Epicac would never do. I can't think of another label that would do it. Mm-hmm. Hazel Myers, um, he AMRAP? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, it's very hands on, and there's all kinds of things like that. And the thing about that is, the vast majority of people out there aren't, don't care about that kind of stuff. They just don't care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the Stones could do it if they wanted to. People would buy it. Lots of bands could do it, but they don't see it that way. They, just don't, they don't look at it from that perspective. We operate the way that, um, um, uh, from a, more of an artistic point of view, as uh, viewing it all as art. Mm-hmm. As uh, and if you buy something from us for you know um, seventy five, two hundred bucks, it's like an entry level into buying art. Sort of get you used to buying something that's tangible, and um, every band could do that. But you're not going to get Mick Jagger or any of those people doing that stuff. You're not going to get any, you know, not going to get Perry Farrell doing it for that matter. You know, <laughs> <Perry> <laughs> these people are going to do this crap because it's too fucking much work. Yeah. They're not going to do it. They're not going to letter press stuff and do all these things. But, but most people don't care about that. Oh, I don't care about the printing. I've heard, I've heard, heard it said over and over and over. And what I have to do is just ignore them and move forward because it's like, you know, you can't argue with ignorance. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can lead a horse to water. That's 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 it. If you don't see the worth of this, then you're almost not worth trying to convince. Yeah, because you're going to have people that see it immediately. It. People that gravitate not, towards it. You put up a pre-sale, uh, pre-order. Like people are going to that want it are going to order it. They're going to order it, but it's not. It's not going to be millions. You know? Correct. Yeah. And which is, I mean, I would assume is fine. You know what I mean? Like it's not because, because the people that want it and appreciate it can get it. Yeah. But there's no, there's no other bands out there doing this kind of thing. Nobody, you know, they could, but do you think that that's appreciated by record stores or print media or anybody out there? No, no, by and large, no, not at all. You know, we're not struggling to try to make, you'd think that there'd be records struggling to make them get interested in it. It's like you'd think that there would be record stores that would be 
wanting to contact us and get all this stuff, but there's just not, mm-hmm. they don't want it. They, they're used to people kissing their ass, you know, trying to begging them to buy their products from them. And I have no interest in that. I'm not going to crawl. It's not going to do it. You don't want it. I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. I'll move on and find someone who does want it. It's just, it just, it's silly. You think in this day and age, there'd be people out there that would be more interested in that, but they're just not like that. Like, like there's never been any articles written about all of the stuff that you're just talking about, all of the insane amount of weirdly collectible stuff. Do you think that matters to rock publications? No, by and large, no. Why? Because we're not pushing it on them, trying to get them, you're not sending out review copies to people, any of this stuff. So it's like, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Doesn't exist. And I don't care. I just keep, I just move on. If you're so dumb that you want to miss out on what the, the specialness of this is, the loss is yours, not mine. Just move on. Well, you don't have time for that. That's how you can create so much is you don't have time for the other bullshit. Like you, you create it for the people that want it. If you don't, and if you don't care about it, that, that sets you free. Your constrictions are, are far less than most people because a lot of people care about that stuff and it drives them insane and it makes their, it changes their art. It changes their approach. Yeah. We're on Atlantic. Um, I never got the impression from them that the label was trying to pressure us to do anything. Mm-hmm. All I saw was bands going to the label and asking them every band, except for us, you know, what can we do to be big stars? What, do, what, what should we do? Mm-hmm. We, you know, who should we hire as a producer? Who should we hire to make music videos? I never saw the labels putting any kind of pressure on any bands at all. I mean, on, uh, as far as I was concerned, it was the opposite. It was the bands begging them to take them under their wing and do whatever it took to make them big stars. Interesting. But I never saw, I never had a label come in and go, you have to do this. You have to do that. Now, very well could be the case. I don't know about, you know, some of these indie labels, but we made it pretty clear when we signed with them, our contract said, you know, we, you only have X amount of time to pick up the option for the next record after the first, after one comes out. And you, you can't sit on us for indefinitely. That's it. Now we turn in the record. You have to give us, when you accept them, accept that we're going to do a new album, you have to give us the money for it. You don't have to put it out, but you can't make us do another one. Mm-hmm. You know, now that's, that was all in our contract. Bands can sign any kind of contract they want. You can put anything you'd like in the contract. I said, we want hundred percent artistic control and what we turn in, we turn in mastered with the art done and they can put it out or not. And then if they want to pick up the option for the next one, then they have to advance us the money for that. Mm-hmm. And then they have X amount of time to do that. And if they don't do it at that amount of time, we're free. How is that so hard? Bands get stuck in these big contracts. So they think that they're going to be big superstars. And that's what they want. So I have never seen that. You, can, you know, they go, they go with these lawyers and tell them to sign stuff or figure out what, what you want to sign. And they don't have to do any of that stuff. They don't have to sign some horrible contract. You don't, you can just keep shoving a contract back at anyone and say, I want this back on one sheet of eight by 10 or on one sheet of legal size paper on one side. That's it. And I, I want to be able to understand it in a way that I don't have to hire a lawyer. 
And you can just keep shoving it back to them until you get what you want. You don't have to sign it. It doesn't have to be 90 pages of legalese. It doesn't have to be. Why? Who says? An 8 by 10 sheet of paper can be just as binding as a 100-page contract. Mm -hmm. Of course it can. Yeah. You don't have to hire a lawyer. Just figure out what you want and put it in there. You can hire a lawyer. You can tell them the same thing. This is what we want, and we're not going to do anything other than that. If you sign something different than that, whose fault is that? You know, we need to take responsibility for what we do. You sign some horrible contract with a big label and then blame the label. Well, I've heard that story a million times. Duh. You know. Exactly. <laughs> well, who can, who can you, or it's just like buying a house. If you sign some horrible fucking mortgage and that, that makes it to where you have some massive balloon payment after, you know, uh, um, three years, I don't see how that's the bank's fault. The bank has given you a ton of money. They expect a return on investment. Why shouldn't they? You know, they're not in this for no reason at all. If you take out the profit incentive from anything, then why should anyone do anything? If I lose money on records I put out, how many records do you think I'm going to do? Not many more. <laughs> You're not going to be able to. You're not going to have be less than two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm, I'm not running a welfare office. We should do it for love of music. Well, you know, all people should do whatever it is they're getting paid for, for the love of it. Not just musicians, if that's what you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. That just doesn't make any sense. None. Not to me anyway. I should just do this for free. Yeah, yeah, well, I won't do it for very long if it's for free. I can play guitar by myself and enjoy it. Without having to listen to the likes of you (laughs) (laughs) or no money, then I then I do something for free, and you're still gonna bitch. So I have two words for you: that's fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) You know that's it. I do a free record, hand it to you for nothing. Generally speaking, that's what it is on the internet now. Mm-hmm. And you still bitch. Mm-hmm. So I've lost respect for that a long time ago. I don't care what you think. You don't want our records? Don't buy our records. You don't want our records? Don't listen to them for free off the internet. Exactly. My large music is already free. And you're still going to bitch. You're still going to bitch no matter what we do. You, you know better what we should be doing. Absolutely. What I say is just let me do the driving. If you want off, I'll pull over and let you out anytime you want. No one's got a fucking gun to your head forcing you to do anything. God knows that if you don't want to listen to us, there's lots and lots of bands out there who are willing to do whatever it is you want. Just go to them and you'll be completely satisfied, but certainly don't look to us to do that because we will always disappoint you because you are a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. That's, there's plenty of band. And if you, if they're not doing what you like, give them a few, a few years so they can beg the label to tell them what to do. That's a perspective I've never heard before. And I've, the band I was in before I did all this was, is on Atlantic now and they have a good amount of control of what they do, but I've never looked at it that way of the band asking the label 
you know, approaching the label that way to, to what can we do to be big stars? It makes complete sense. I just never thought about it that way. That's all they do. Yeah. That's why, that's what they, this is a big shot. That's why there's hardly any bands after they get dropped off a major label that ever continue. Mm -hmm. That was a big shot. It didn't work. Well, we knew it wasn't going to work from the beginning. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to work. So, you know, we had, we had an album recorded before we ever got off Atlantic, the honky record. Yeah. Recorded that. And then if they picked up the option for the fourth record, we would have accepted the advance and then just turned in that record. Yeah. There you go. Here's our fourth <laughs> album. And, and then since they didn't, we had that ready to go. It was out almost immediately. And then we spent the next 16 months on the road proving to everyone that Atlantic Records doesn't make or break us. Mm -hmm. That's it. If people want to look at it from some other perspective, they can go ahead and do that. I don't. I never did. We just looked at it as an interesting thing. I thought we would be off the label after the first album. Yeah. Let's make some money off this whole thing real quick. <laughs> well, we made a little money off of it. <laughs> That's what Dale was saying last off. time. He's like, well, let's make some money while we can, and then we'll go back to doing yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, nobody got nobody got fabulously wealthy by any sure. means. It was no, I mean, it might have helped us pay our bills for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. you know? But beyond that... Um, we have been on Atlantic records in a long time. Yeah. You know, 96 was the last time we were mm -hmm. on Atlantic and, uh, um, they certainly haven't been paying the bills and we certainly haven't gotten any more money from them. That's for sure. Yeah. But we didn't get, we didn't, we didn't get a massive amount of money. When you think about it, when you get done paying for everything, it's not a ton of money. You just have to be cagey with how you do it. Exactly. You know, just be cagey. And you can tell the label the second you start to dictate is the second we refuse, we cease to function. I mean, I got that straight from Johnny Rotten when, when public image was on Warner brothers. That's a direct quote. The second the label starts to dictate is the second we cease to function mm -hmm. done, you know, then drop us. I remember at the end of the Atlantic thing, we had, we had been shifted around to a bunch of different A&R guys. And we had a guy named Mike Gitter was our A&R mm. guy. Yeah. I know Couldn't Mike. get him on the phone. Couldn't get him on the phone. Finally, I said, I left a message. I said, Mike, we would like to be dropped off the label, please. On the phone. He called me back in 10 minutes. It's like, that's it. That's all it took for me to get him on the phone. You know, was to <laughs> insist that we wanted to get dropped off the label. I mean, he had no interest in what we were doing whatsoever. We were off the label not long after that. The honky record came out and we were done. We were moving straight forward. I've done, I don't know how many albums since then. No idea. That was just a slight bump in the road. Yeah. In our career, as far as that's concerned. But, you know, if I could have that same option again, set in front of me, same contract under the same circumstances, I would sign it again for sure. Mm -hmm. Why not? It didn't hurt me. It only helped me. Those are the biggest records we've ever, the, the highest selling records we ever had. Mm -hmm. Because they were on Atlantic. That's for sure. Yeah. But this whole, this other thing, like, you know, oh, indie labels are so much better than, than majors. That's bullshit. That's just total bullshit. One thing you can guarantee if you're on an indie is you'll never get paid. That you can guarantee. The amount of labels out there that are going to pay you are as rare as a dodo bird. And indie labels are far bigger ripoff because generally speaking, they do not give bands any kind of advance and then they never pay them a dime. That's how indie, most indies are surviving now by not paying royalties. Well, they never paid royalties. There was never a situation where indie labels paid bands much of anything. Hardly at all, mm -hmm. if ever. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they, they, they talk about that too. It's like, oh, you know, back in the days when bands got paid from record sales. Like, when was that? 
<laughs> yeah, they've been st- stiffed on that so many times over the years. Oh, man. Our, jo- our joke was always, uh, I don't know where we got this, but our joke was always, if you lined up everybody who ever ripped off Bo Diddley in a big line, he still wouldn't get any royalties. <laughs> <laughs> and the majors can afford, like, you can't you can't go and sue a, an independent label for anything really either. So, like, you can't. Like, it's the crazy. majors are generally, you're going to have an easier time getting money out of them yeah. because they have something to lose. Yeah. And a contract basically is to keep you out of court. That's what it's for. It's not for when you go to court. It's to keep you out of court. And one thing that majors would do is they will abide by the contract to the letter. They absolutely will. A contract to an indie label is absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Because what are you going to do? Go ahead and sue them. Oh, we sued them. Well, now what? They still don't have to pay you. (laughs) No, no. A sheriff doesn't come down there and hold a gun to their head where they cut you a check. And then host, keep the gun in their head until it clears. Mm-hmm. They don't give a fucking shit. There's nobody going to help you collect from some shifty record label. Who? That's what's so fucked up to me. You owe money to the IRS. You know, eventually mm-hmm. they will come with guys with guns will come and throw you in fucking prison. That's how serious the government considers debt that's owed to them. Mm-hmm. But if you're owed. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from a record label, they couldn't give a fuck about it. Nobody's going to help you collect. You you try owing own Uncle Sam money and see exactly what happens to you. Yeah. Dude. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. I, you know, so debt is really serious as long as it's their debt. Exactly. You know, fuck that. I just had this <laughs> conversation with a lady from the IRS this week. Someone yeah. like filed a tax return under my name. And so they shut my stuff down and I took me three and a half weeks to even get put on hold to call them. And all it took was a 10 minute call once I got through to them. And I said, I guarantee if I owed you money and it wasn't about my return, you'd be at my doorstep back in February when I filed these taxes. And she laughed her ass off because she's like, that's 100% right. Because <laughs> oh, she yeah, was yeah. real it's about just... it. She was working from home. She was having a, like a stormy weather outside. She's like, I just want to talk to you because I can. I can. And we're, we're going slow. It's fine. I was like, man, I hope that doesn't come out as far as anyone else because they're going to start fucking riding in the streets. But uh, well, same thing. Average turnover, average turnover for, for somebody working with the IRS is eight months. Jesus Christ. But nobody at the IRS has any idea what they're doing. And uh, the reason it's only eight months is because it's a shitty job. Yeah. So you, your, your job would be to make people's lives miserable. That's your job. Yeah. Now, it would take a sociopath to handle that until till they retire. You know, you know, That'd be something to worry job. about for sure. <laughs> people over, you know, who don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't paid taxes to the fucking government. You know, we're going to fuck you over. And in the worst possible way, we're going to get you no matter Mm -hmm. what. They can do it. I can't make somebody else pay me, but they can make you, they can get you for sure. Good luck doing anything. Dude. So it's just, I'm not into any of that crap. I think it's, it's total animal farm bullshit. I'm not into it. It's like debt is either serious or it's not. If it's a serious enough offense for you to go to prison because you don't owe them money, it should be a serious enough for offense for you to go to prison because you owe me money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
Exactly. But they don't take, they don't look at it that way. They never oh, will. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a bigger offense if you owe the government money than it is if someone owes you money. I'm like, fuck that. No, I'm not, I'm not fooled by that. Fuck that. Nope, nope. Mm-mm. People can think, people can argue that all they want and they can blow me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I'm looking at this screen here. I, the, I pulled up that quote earlier so I could read it correctly. And the funny thing of what we're talking about here is that there's two other quotes that come up below it. And one is Albert Einstein saying, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough, which ties directly to what we're talking about with contracts. And the other yes. one is another quote, which I think I've heard you use before, which is, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member by Groucho Marx. <laughs> yeah, I consider, I consider myself a, a Groucho Marxist. Those are the those are the quotes that came up to this quote I was searching for. They tie yeah. in exactly to what we're talking about. That's a, It's I, fucking I, I, weird. Yeah, that's the, that's the way I see all of it. Just dumb it down. A Groucho Marxist. I love that. Oh yeah, I'm a major Groucho Marxist. That's like, especially with music stuff. It's like we're not part of any of this other. Who are our brother bands? Who would they be? There isn't any. Nirvana, Soundgarden. They're not as weird no, as we are. Not, not at even all. close. No. Plus, they, those bands stopped. Yeah. They started. Soundgarden started up. Start, started up again, but we never stopped. We never had a hiatus for two years, except for now. But all during this hiatus, we've done. We did. Um, three uh um, online shows we did um lots of records and there's not yeah. much the online shows are you just realize that not a lot of people are really going to be interested in watching them that's just how it is and we were only charging five bucks for ours that's it yeah and just it's just not a lot there's not a lot of people that are interested in people think that there's some well, huge money can be made for that yeah maybe if you were you know some k-pop band or something not us yeah i've not i watched one live stream and it's because it was a friend of mine's band that sent me on a guest list spot <laughs> so right. i was like yeah i'll check I'm this like, out <laughs> that was it. like i said we were watching we were, we were we were charging five bucks yeah that's it and and still you still you can't you can't force people to do it sure so people are you gonna do more of those no <laughs> it's a waste of time dude I got better. I got better ways of wasting my time than that. Do you guys plan on doing another documentary? That that Colossus of Destiny I have it on Blu-ray and it's fantastic. I know it it sums oh, up a lot of things, but have you thought about doing another one? Well, we didn't do that one. Bob Hannum did that one. Oh, you know? okay. Um, we had not. We 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 were interviewed for it, but it had nothing to do with us. I didn't you know, know that. No, no. Okay. Was, he, he did it on his own. Mm, okay. Not, not, not to do with us at all. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I made, I, I made a movie with uh, Jesse Nyman from Atlanta, uh, from Atlanta um, called uh, um, walk with love and death. That's pretty good. That that's, that's kind of the more along the lines of what I would do. Okay. Um, if you saw that it's about, you know, I think it's about 33 minutes. That came out really good. We did a soundtrack for a movie that didn't exist and then made the movie. That's what we were talking about. We talked about that back in 2017. There was a fake soundtrack for Yeah. Okay. I didn't end up seeing that. Yeah, it's out there. Okay. Um, uh, um, That's more along the lines of uh, what I would do. Okay. Wouldn't be a narrative. I mean, if people want to know about us, they can find out stuff on the internet, but it's still... 90% incorrect. Most of it. Yeah. 
you just look at my Wikipedia page, most of that stuff's not true. I'm oh, not going to change it. You know, I'm not changing it. I don't get upset about stuff like that. I, I, I prefer to have the internet have a life of its own. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. want to take that at its, at its at, 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 you know, for as gospel truth. They got something wrong with them. I don't take it from when I read stuff like that. I don't take it as gospel truth. I know how much of stuff about us is bullshit. Yeah. Those are the people that are going to inject themselves with bleach. <laughs> yeah. The well, same people. Um, I think <laughs> I was doing it for a long time to try to avoid having um, HIV. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Washing out their needles with bleach and then using them. Well, speaking of the speaking of, of setting the record straight, which you you, you made it clear on the, the Internet thing. But have you ever have, have you ever thought about doing a book? Oh, I've been writing something like that for a long time. Really? Yeah. Is but, it going to uh, come out? Yeah, hopefully at some point. OK. Uh, Not in the near future. I don't know when exactly. Um, I got a lot of it done. Um, I really liked Bob Dylan's book, that Chronicles book. I thought it was great. Uh huh. I don't know if you read that. No, I haven't. I'm a, I'm a voracious reader. So, um, um, I read books all the time. I'll read almost any book. So, um, that's the difference between, um, you know, um, me and a lot of other rock people. I mean, I'll read political books of all stripe stripes, the, you know, the history of slavery, anything, whatever mm-hmm. you got. I want to know about all of it, anything, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, Turner diaries that inspired the Oklahoma city bombing. I want to read it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. I love books. I think books are uh, one of the most powerful tools out there, but you're not going to find a lot of people who read not a lot. Some, yeah. most people don't read anything. And then the new thing is listening to them on tape or listening to them on, you know, podcasts or not podcasts but you know streaming yeah books mm-hmm. which is Audio okay books. but i must much rather just read yeah you know um uh i like the kindles because i can take a couple hundred books with me on tour that's nice yeah and it saves your space your spot on them so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i read i read so much it's crazy like uh, i did an interview one time with uh when i was with phantomos they go what's your favorite book I sat there going, God, I don't know. And so they edited it like I couldn't think of a book, you know? And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, yeah. So you guys want to find. But I was like, God, I don't know how I would narrow down my favorite book. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Would if it... I had to pick off the top of my head, I could say Wise Blood. What Flat Flannery O'Connor, that might be. Mm-hmm. Maybe at this moment. <laughs> you know? yeah it just seems like an infinite space it's really hard to narrow anything like that down like even like what's your uh, what's my favorite band like what do you mean yesterday or today or you know like that shit changes it's like crazy it changes but if I, I, I would say the who are my favorite bands really okay have been for a long time but uh um lots of bands I mean, there's lots of lots of favorites was it Pete but Townsend or Entwistle that had their own custom sun head? Uh, own, I doubt it, it was Townsend. Townsend is never much of a gearhead. Uh, must have been Entwistle then. Had a, like a 1200S or something that was it was custom, had his name on it and everything. Entwistle was uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Crazy. Um, much more of an innovator base-wise than a lot of people think. And um, certainly a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. But you don't hear a lot of talk about him now. Yeah. Not a lot, but that's too bad. Whatever. 
people people don't want to do the the homework on that kind of stuff. I I can't lead them down the garden path. Yeah, that's okay. We but, know what we know what the truth is. The guys I play with, we all know what the story is of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're very excited about all of it. So, um, but we're all you know big Beatles fans to big brand new bands fans too as well. It mm-hmm. just it just depends. Yeah. Like Stones, Stones is probably the one that we all agree with the most. You know, I yeah. mean it's a huge, huge deal to us, all that stuff. Well, sure. It shapes, it shapes who you become. Like it shapes your, your, your early years. It shapes you now. Like you guys, I mean, covering, covering songs from them, even putting your own spin on it. And that, that (laughs) when I got the email saying that the, the five legged dog record is coming out and what it was from Monica, I was like, what? This is insane. Like this is an undertaking of gargantuan proportions it seems like just the, the i mean rest- maybe not even restructuring but just uh what's the word translating those songs to acoustic and just showing how much of the structure is there like some things can get lost in loud music but when you strip it down like that you hear all these nuances you didn't hear before uh and monica's you got the best publicist in the, in the business man i i will say that oh, for sure so. She is yeah. unreal. At nine thirty at night, I will get an email from her to confirm something on a weekend. She's absolutely nuts. I love it. I have to shout her out every time because she is fantastic. But she yeah, sends these like amazing bios and these amazing emails that get you fired up about it. And like when she sent that, I was just like, "Oh, I got to listen to this right now." I was in the van with my son, and I just put it on. He's like, "Dad, what's this?" I was like, "It's the Melvins." He had no idea what I was talking about, but he's ten. But um. It, it was awesome. I was just like, this is rad. Yes, let's absolutely talk to all of them <laughs> about yeah, this. Yeah, 36 but. songs. It's two and a half, about two and a half hours of music. Yeah, four, four LPs. Yeah, we knew, I knew we wanted to do something big. And, um, you know, they're all reimagined for acoustic guitar. Yeah. And Dale's playing, um, you know, uh, with brushes. Yep. On the drums. Um and uh, Stephen did a phenomenal job on bass. It's totally great. Um, and it's a pretty much career retrospective all, all the way across. A lot of it. And some really cool covers that we loved, like, like Brainiac and um, the Stones. You did Sway, Red right? Rock. Sway, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my favorite Stones record. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Dinky Finger. Mm-hmm. Oh, by far. I think it's... I think it's the best record they ever did. One that's another record where if people just don't don't like that record, they just don't like rock music. Yeah. And you just don't like rock music. If you don't like that record, there's no room. There's no room for that record in your record collection. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You're certainly not speaking my language, because to me, there's room for the stones and throbbing gristle and Captain Beefheart and uh, you know Judas Priest. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know there's no good music out there to be that fucking picky open yeah. your ears dumbass <laughs> Dude, some, of the, some of the nicest people uh you were talking you know billy beating billy gibbons how cool he is like the judas priest guy i rode with them in a van to the airport in mexico city in 2018 after the hell and heaven fest i was traveling with that band refused and I left early and we ended up riding in the same transport van 
which was insane to like, wait, what? Okay. Hello. Nicest people ever. Like just, just sweet people, wonderful people and an incredible band. But, uh, yeah, people say don't meet your heroes, but it's like, fuck that. <laughs> meet them and then nah. decide. That's fine. You can meet them. Yeah. Just don't expect anything. <laughs> exactly. Just be yeah, pleasantly I surprised. I did an interview with Rob after his, uh, book came out mm-hmm. last year and he was great. He was really funny. And, uh, um, uh, I got to tell him that I thought that uh, Unleashing the East was the greatest heavy metal record ever made. I still agree with that. Um, he thought that was pretty funny, but I don't think he'd ever heard that. Anybody say that? I, I think it is the greatest heavy metal record ever made. The, the drumming's insane, for sure. Yeah, Les Banks. Mm-hmm. Wonder what happened to Les. I have no idea. I don't either. But yeah, that the drumming on that record's insane. I. Yeah, that's what Dave Lombardo said. He got all of his Slayer drumming is from that record with Les Banks. I think yeah, he may have mentioned that when I had him on years and years ago. Like and Dave was fantastic, but like I, I think we talked about that record. I can't remember. I'll have to check. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've talked to him about that. I was like, "What did you think of uh, Unleashed Needs of Les Banks?" Oh, oh my god, you know <laughs> that's Slayer. That's where I got all. That's where I got all my stuff. If you listen to that record, you can hear all of it. The double bass, the whole thing is on there. Uh-huh. All that heavy metal, speed metal drumming. Because to me, he's probably the epitome of the speed metal drummer. Yeah. It probably didn't get better than that for that kind of thing. And um, that's where he got it. Less Banks. Why Jesus Peace got rid of him, I have no, I have no idea. Yeah. Man, that's something we need to find out. But, dude. I didn't I, have the guts to ask Rob about that. I should have. You should. I was going to say, you should have brought that up. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to ruin it because I knew, I knew he had re-recorded the vocals. Mm-hmm. And so he, he at least talked about that because he had talked about that in the book how he had re-recorded the vocals. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know how much of that record's even live, but nonetheless, that record is fucking awesome. I don't care how they made it. That is a, a way better versions of all those songs, and that's a phenomenal record. It's everything that most metal bands aren't doing. It's yeah. got dynamics. It's played well. It's well thought out songs. Um, it's very musical. Um, it's everything I want in a heavy metal record. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, dude, I, I just, uh, I, I really appreciate this buzz, man. I really, no problem. I, I love, I love chatting with you and, and you just have such a fresh take and it's maybe it's not even a fresh take. It's just a very direct take on so many things that are so simple. If you just strip them down, I really find that refreshing because people dance around so many things. Uh, but I love that you just give it straight exactly what you're feeling that day, like that day, your whole life, whatever. You just give it exactly as it is. And I love that about what you do. Well, people think I'm angry. And no. I'm, like, I'm not. I'm just telling you how it is. You're just direct. That's it. I'm very happy, actually. Yeah. My large 99.9% of my time, I've spent the happiest motherfucker in the face of the planet. Dude, you've been married for what? almost 30 years you've you've 28 years 28 fucking years to the the same same person who you work (laughs) with creatively which is in in itself is a struggle for a lot of people but you create with the woman you love for almost 30 years you've been you haven't had a day job in about the same amount of time you're making art for a living you're living in a town you love what the fuck else is there man like <laughs> and I'm a and I'm an eight handicap golfer. Yeah. Why would you be why would you be angry? 
I'm not angry about a guy thing. Exactly. I think that's where people misunderstand your style is, is that you're upset and opinion, you're opinionated. Yes. But everyone has opinions. You just say exactly what you feel. And I love that. I fat Mike, no effect. Same thing. We had the similar conversation where he just kind of took, I have no shame. I will say exactly what I feel. And, and I love that. It's great. If more people were like that, there'd be a lot less bullshit in the world. Um, yeah, the difference, the difference between me and him is I'm not on coke and I, I haven't been divorced. <laughs> true. He's been divorced twice, but he is sober now. He's been sober for almost a year now, and he is a completely different person. I think I'll you'd be pleasantly word, surprised. I'll take your word for it. I'll Dude, take your word for it. <laughs> whole nother person. Uh, yes. But it, yeah, I just appreciate all the music. And that's why I told Mario I was so stoked. I was like, dude, let's get Buzz back on because this is going to be awesome. I'm stoked for the record that we're going to hold this interview uh, until October, she said. Um, so it's closer to the to the release. But when I saw that and put it on, dude, I was so stoked. Um, I'm glad you like what it. you guys are doing. And it's just another another brick in the wall, man, of, of the Melvin's catalog and 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 your creative output in the world. And it takes, you know, it takes guts to put things out in the world, I think. And I really do feel that. Um, and you've well, done that you. hugely. So, you know, cheers to you on that. And, and thanks for all the tunes and, uh, no and for chatting, dude. And hopefully we can do this again in, in another couple of years or, or whatever it takes. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Yep. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you later, Buzz. Yeah, bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Part two with Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. King Buzzo. Uh, he's also from Phantomus. Uh, he's got all kinds, they're collaborating with all kinds of people. We talked about a few of them, but, uh, I love talking about Billy Gibbons from ZZ top. Um, and just, uh, uh just a, an awesome dude. I'll buzz on as many times as he wants to come on and, uh, talk to him about whatever, because it's awesome. And he's a legend and I really appreciate uh, him coming on. I appreciate Monica at speakeasy setting all these interviews up. Like I said, once you're done with this one, you can move on to Dale or Steven, because those episodes are also coming out today. So you'll see your feed had three new episodes from us. Don't want those to get missed. Um, and so check out Five Legged Dog. It's in a badass vinyl release of acoustic uh, acoustic music from the Melvins. You can check it out on Spotify too. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. So uh, thank you guys so much for coming back week after week. I love each and every one of you guys. I say it every week and I'll continue, continue to do so. Um, but as always, we'll see you on the radio.
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.